All right, so hey folks, my apologies. Um, sometimes we get out episodes on time and sometimes we get them out six months later as you'll hear in a minute. But uh, better late than never and had a lot of fun doing this episode with Amy. As always, thanks for listening. Be sure to go to christianity.plus to get our show notes, to subscribe to updates, to hear about what's happening in the Christian transhumanist community. Thanks for listening. Today is October 21st, 2015. Yes. Which is... It is it's back to the future day, right? It's back to the future day. Woohoo! Yes. <laughs> In the... fact, my kids are watching it right now wow. for the first time. Wow. Yes. Okay, yes. so it's like um this is a day that has has pre-lived in in so many layers of of infants of I- infamy, right? Inf- infamy? Infamy. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but um yeah, and um Yeah, so people have been talking about this and preemptively talking about this for a very long time. There was a meme that was going around um, for a while that was kind of like uh, it would show the readout from the um, the time machine DeLorean car and it would show, you know, a a particular date on there. And it would be like, today is the day that he traveled to in the future. And any true fan was like, forget you guys. Right. That's not not it. And so today is actually the real day, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. not a fake meme. It's not um, (laughs) it's not tricking us all. This is the the real day that um, was was foretold by the prophecies of yore. And um, and so we've we've reached across the time barrier and and we're here. And um, so that, you know, there's a lot of different uh, questions that that brings up, one of which is, you know, where are all of the hoverboards? Right. (laughs) Right. And where's my hoverboard? Right. And um, and where's the flying car? And um, and all those kinds of things. Right. So um, I think that's you know, that's a question that that um, people keep uh, coming back to in various ways. Um, When uh, I I think Peter Thiel's uh, new company and I can't think what it's called, but it's um, but I I think the motto that they have on the um, on the wall is we were promised flying cars and instead we got 144 characters or 140 characters and um and the idea is you know hey we've we've seen all of this technological progress but all the technological progress we've seen is mostly about um social media you know so where where are the flying cars where are the hoverboards where's all the space travel that we're supposed to be engaging in um and why like mm-hmm. where where is it? Why didn't it happen? Right. Um, was it something that maybe we didn't really want? It just like right. there wasn't any reason for it or a purpose for it. And right. while I do believe that much invention is just for fun and mm-hmm. adventuring and ex- exploration is in the spirit of just fun. Yeah. But there is an extent where necessity is the mother of invention, and if there hasn't been that need, then it's not going to get invented. Yeah. So the, do we need to create the need or do hmm. we, what, what's what people, ideas and events have influenced the, the reason we don't have these things or, right. 
the reason the things that Back to the Future 2 might have gotten wrong that we're really glad they got wrong that we don't right. we don't have right. fax machines that are like <laughs> in outlets <laughs> of all of our houses. But we do have something very similar, which is we have our phones, which are right. so they did have a, a form of social media. Um, it just happened to be printed. Yeah, but. true. Yeah. Um, OK, so I've got a list here. I, I've seen some of these articles going around mm-hmm. that are like, um, you know, things that they got wrong. Um, but I, but uh, I, I've got one that was things that they got right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, <laughs> and so on this list are things like the rise of 3D movies. Especially shark-related 3D movies. Shark-related 3D <laughs> movies, yes. <laughs> I purposefully didn't read any of those because I was going to read them the, the day after. I mean, you're not oh, reading yeah. anything. So oh, if oh. I'm laughing, it's it's real laughter. Spoiler, I'm not just, yeah. I'm not, oh, no, no. I'm just letting you know. I, this is this is the first time I'm hearing them. So, yeah, that is pretty fun. So, yeah. So, shark-related 3D movies. Um, <laughs> that is so specific. Yeah. yeah. That's so great. Um. Uh, drones taking photos and video, um, mm-hmm. and we'll see, uh, the existence of handheld tablets. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing, oh yeah, the girl had, I mean, well, Michael J. Fox as his daughter, she has, <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen the movie. Yeah, me she too. had like a, like a, a, a phone type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Some of these are a mystery to me because when I think about them, I'm like, it doesn't exactly translate in the same way. And I think that's part of the part of the difficulty with this is like, what do you count as being like close enough? You know, Um, so is it using virtual or augmented reality headsets? That was one of them. Um, And so, you know, we can think about like uh, Google Glass. Right. And yeah, there's definitely a, a Google Glass. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not Google, but they have the same thing. I think they're yeah. more sunglasses, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and somebody made it, you know, talked about Google Glass and said, you know, we, we had that and then we we got rid of it or whatever. And um, and that brings up kind of another angle to this, which is that um, a lot of this is about social um change and social preferences and um so I, i'd like to come back to that um let's see oh yeah google glass is a good one because they didn't nobody they didn't get rid of it they're just redesigning it for yeah uh, for different purposes yeah um let's see good old video conferencing that's what they said uh yes. and and uh they compared that to skype we're actually using something like that right now um let's see mobile credit card readers so I think he like inserted it beneath the TV uh, in the mm-hmm. yeah. So we can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, looks a little different. Um, biometric scanners for security purposes. Right, the yeah. thumbprint scanners. Mm-hmm. Video games that don't require controllers. So we do have that. Um, and computers that listen to voice commands. So we've got that. And I've actually heard some other people talk about, well, we actually do have flying cars. They're just not popular and they're really expensive. Um, and I think the hoverboard thing is the the biggest sticking point. And I, I keep seeing all these videos where people have, um, you know, some company has, has purportedly produced a hoverboard, but it's kind of a thing where, you know, uh, it only works in certain conditions 
and so forth, which I guess, you know, in the, in yeah. the movie, it can only wor- work not over water. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess I have, a, I have a theory why we don't have hoverboards. Okay. But if you want to save it for later, or no, I want to hear it now. I want to hear it now. Let's go. Well, hoverboards, it. the way they're portrayed in the movie, especially, is a toy. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I have many children, so I feel like I'm in the know about toys and things like that. And yeah. it's not the same as when we were kids. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, you know, when we were kids, you had that gigantic Sears catalog that it's like, oh, I'm yeah. going to get all this cool stuff. And it's just all this neat stuff. Mm-hmm. And you'll even see it. I mean, in other Spielberg movies like E.T. Just I mean, Elliot's room is full of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's yeah. There's just that I know I grew up. I mean, my parents didn't have a lot of money, but I had a lot of stuff. I had lots of my little ponies. I had lots of G.I. Joe's. I had lo- they played together, the ponies and the G.I. Joe's. They had great adventures. <laughs> but <laughs> nice. I had um, you know, I had I had all the all the things that all the other kids had, and maybe not as many, but but the thing is there's a big shift away from the stuff as we get more into the tablets and the games and the interactive quality and the kids are still playing together but they're playing minecraft and they get their 799 app download and they're done and they can play forever (laughs) and they get to play with each other and build new worlds so they're building and doing this playing the same games we were but they don't have to have the stuff so I do believe that as far as toys are concerned, I'm not saying there's no toys being built. I mean, clearly there's whole toy stores. And But if you go to Toys R Us today, it's not that much different than it was. Actually, mm-hmm. it's no different than it was when we were kids. You're not going to see any toys that you're like, whoa, I can't believe they have that now. It's yeah. it's the same toys. Yeah. And there's just not going to be that push for uh technologically advanced toys they still have the power wheels they're less expensive now but they still have Mm -hmm. all that stuff and the only thing that you're going to see more of are video games and Mm -hmm. that's and so since hoverboard is not a if there was a video game component to it then sure yeah but but there's not so that's the i think that's the only way to make them happen at least from a toy perspective is if you add some kind of um, there's going to have to be a social, yeah, a social component, and it's going to have to be a video game. Yeah, like, I could totally see like a Wii addition, ad, uh, you know, like a <laughs> which was like a, a board that would allow you to uh, control a hoverboard in the Wii version of right. Back to the Future. I <laughs> do think the Wii was the last game, yeah, that people got really excited about, and that was hmm, when was that when the Wii? The, the first mm. came out, so that 2007? Sounds about Something right. Something like that. Something, yeah. I'm probably wrong, but it's around that. So it's been a while be, yeah. since we've had toys like that kids are, you know, what what are kids asking for for Christmas now? It's it's always going to be the laptop, the iPad, the those things. Yeah. And, and the other stuff they ask for, same stuff that we wanted when we were kids. Same yeah. little, you know, I want to play just the little things, you know, yeah. um, but it's, it's, there's, yeah. Hmm. So we didn't, we, that we didn't get the hoverboard. Mm-hmm. We did get the social, right. the social stuff. And it's for kids that translates into Minecraft 
And that because that's what literally every child is playing today (laughs) is Minecraft, which is cool and it's great. And I I mean, I I think it's fantastic, but it it leaves our our childhood selves wanting, I think. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think that, you know, uh, do you think that that has um, also has ramifications for our society? Because, you know, um, and and we've talked about this, I think, but you know, I, I thinking about um, we we went to the moon in 1969, and um, I grew up in the 80s, and I think a natural expectation, if you were living in 1969, was that by the 80s that there would be moon colonies. And so that as a young kid, I should have been able to look up into the sky and seen um, or at least, you know, use a telescope or something like that and been able to look at other people up there, you know, building things. Right. Right. That's that's not um, it's not an implausible history. Right. Like, (laughs) oh, no, no, it's not implausible at all. And I mean, we could look up and see the international space station and things like that but that's that's been the same since we were kids i mean it's nothing has changed much we're Mm -hmm. on mars now which is cool but it's still it seems it's it's hard to get excited about mars i mean it is exciting of course but it's hard when it's so like it's so so much less than what you (laughs) you expected we would have by now right and you know it's i hate to i hate to complain because i'm not out building these things and making these things happen but i'm wondering what did happen right because the space program in 1969 that was actually ahead of schedule when do you ever see anything like that on that big of a scale actually happening right ahead of scale it doesn't so so something of course it was you know, there was a Cold War and all those things that were mm-hmm. <laughs> there was like, hey, we got to prove ourselves, you know, but we don't have anything like that now that's pushing us, which is nice. Right. It's good that we don't have any big thing hanging over our heads that's saying we need to build and make new things. But at the same time, especially as kids, we're thinking we're, we're not aware of the bad things that are pushing this stuff yeah. to happen. And so we're just saying, why aren't we just making it for fun? Like, why? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're, I guess because there's no money in fun. I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, that's, you know, so, so there's this whole kind of um, uh, technological stagnation hypothesis, which is kind of a um, a counter view to a lot of the a lot of the viewpoints of you know of people I spend time around um, who you know. Y- in the tra- you know, when you're talking about transhumanists, um, we've talked about this that you know, pe- a lot of people kind of character them as um, as ch- cheerleaders for the singularity, as people who are basically just saying, "Oh, I think technology is going to go great, and then there's going to be some awesome things," and um, and some other people in this you know, in this world are saying, well, wait, maybe actually technology is not doing as well as we thought it would do. And they would point to things like this, right? Why don't we have moon colonies? Why don't we, why haven't we arrived at Mars already? Um, 
why did it seem that we were on the verge of of a whole bunch of stuff in the uh, in the 60s and 70s? And then all of a sudden we kind of like retreated to our our caves or something and and decided to um, shut down a lot of those efforts. And um, and so that's kind of a you know, that kind of question um, really comes to, to mind in times like this where we have, you know, okay, what was the 80s vision of what 2015 was going to be like? And did we, you know, did we live up to that or not? And if, if not, then what, you know, what's the, what's the issue? Where did it stop? And um, so forth. Have, have we talked about the Tomorrowland movie? You started to, but I haven't seen it, so I wasn't able to okay, engage. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. So that's um, that's interesting because it's it's kind of advocating that premise, that same idea of like basically where are the hoverboards, where are the flying cars, where are our moon colonies, and why did we, why were we on the verge of of you know feeling like we were on the verge of having this, and then we don't. Um, so that's a that's a big question. But, you know, what's what seems to be the case is that um, technological change did not happen the way that we thought it would, but it did happen in other areas. Oh, absolutely. It's I mean, our world is you look back, even though I said all the toys are the same, the way we interact with each other. I mean, obviously think the world is a very, very different place. And. And it's funny because that in Back to the Future, that is actually portrayed the way that everybody's connected and you can contact people whenever you want to. And yeah. and it's not in these group forums, which is what we have. Yeah. It's definitely still that one-on-one. And I think that that alone is what's driving a lot of the ideas and stuff today is that we have these abilities to communicate instantly in mm-hmm. group form. Yeah. Rather than just, oh, I'm going to call my this one. Per- You're getting to meet people that you would never otherwise meet or come in contact with and share ideas with. And I really think that that's a significant part of the, you know, what when we're talking about what we have yeah. and what where have we advanced that that's huge. That yeah. is a huge thing to me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. We we really have have focused incredibly on the communication technologies, at least since the, um, the early to mid nineties, this has really been the, uh, it's almost like the, the one big focus of our civilization from, um, the introduction of the web in 93. And then it kind of went mainstream around 95, um, to, you know, to all of the, um, the social media and and everything that's kind of been built on that, um, it seems like our overriding focus has been um, has been you know communication technology, and it it must be the case that we care much more about communication than um, almost anything else, uh, just from the amount of focus and attention we put we put on it. All right. And I don't I don't know what the statistics are on Facebook usage, but it's incredibly high. You know, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the number of times the average person checks Facebook every day or <laughs> whatever well, it is. I have I mean, I actually have an app that just dis- 
disables Facebook so I can get work done. It's, right. you know, it's that ridiculous. So yes, yes, mm-hmm. we do engage. Yeah, I know of a, I know of a person who um, hired someone to stand beside him and slap him if he got on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just just hired this person just to do that because it's such a habit. That's a fun job. Yeah, that's right. Just, just watching, just, <laughs> just waiting. Yeah, you're almost hoping that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have an exciting yeah, day at if work you today. A guy's gonna punch you in the face. That's mm-hmm. pretty high motivation. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's like it takes that level of motivation for a lot of us. And it's not like there's anything bad going on. Right. Like as far as addictions are concerned, this is you wanting to create or connect with humanity. You know, it's not, you're not doing anything. Well, most of us aren't doing anything (laughs) bad, but um, we're just, there's a reason that we want to connect. And, but I, I mean, yes, if it's keeping you from creating, because we do need that alone time and time with our own thoughts and time to not be bouncing ideas around with other people, believe it or not. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, you know, a lot of people talk about how into our phones we are, how, you know, addicted to, to the internet or whatever. And, um, I think a lot of the discussion around that misses, uh, what's really going on, which is that we're, you know, we're not addicted to our phones. We're addicted to all the people that are on the other side of those phones. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of them and and their inter- interactions with them matter to us, you know. And um, and so, you know, we're 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 emotional and social beings who are intrinsically drawn to that. And we're essentially every day being given um, a kind of opportunity for for basically like a family reunion. And, you know, if you think about hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago and um, you would have these yearly meetups, maybe where people would come from far and wide to to back to the ancestral home. And, um, you know, this would be, you know, the only time you would see them. And in a year or longer, you know, and, um, you know, for the for like the ancient Jews, right, they would all convene on Jerusalem at that that time of the year. And you probably reconnect with these long lost relatives and people that you grew up with. And, you know, and we now have the ability to do that every single day of our lives. Reconnect with pretty much every person we've we've ever had any significant relationship with. We we have the ability to interact with them or at least just to know kind of what's going on in their life. And that is a huge, huge, huge difference from even uh, when like you and I were in school. You know, when I graduated, there was no Facebook. And a couple of years later, there was a Facebook and um, and it switched from uh, me thinking, oh, you know, I there are all these people out there that I will probably never run into again um, and never interact with again. And then all of a sudden, all those people are back in my life. Right. And the creepy thing (laughs) is it makes you connect with people that you didn't connect with at school, maybe, or because you've grown into a different person or you get to know new things about them. Because, I mean, we were in school and we knew each other, but I don't think we were like, yeah. We never really hung out, hung out, and but we right. were, had the same social circles. So yeah. it's like, hey, 
So mm. now we've got this really <laughs> creepy thing going on. Right, right. Right. <laughs> right. Where 20 years ago, we would have never talked to each other again. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And, um, you know, previous generations, I mean, everybody's getting this now, so it's not a generational thing now. But, you know, previous generations would never have had this kind of experience, you know. And um, I know if I were living a generation ago, I would never have, you know, my memory for people and people's names is so minute that um you know, there would probably be like three people I would remember from school where if I ever encountered them again, I would know who they were and everyone else would just have kind of vanished into a haze, you know, but now I can look up and I can kind of reconnect all these dots and I'm like, oh yeah, I, you know, and, and so suddenly I have access to a lot of my memory and a lot of my history that I would have just totally forgotten about. Right. And that's, that's what I think is important here. It's not just, oh, I'm connecting with these other people because I want to get in their business. They're telling you things about yourself that you would have otherwise forgotten right. or things that were important to you or thoughts you might have had that now that person is bringing it up and um, or paths that person's lies, life has taken that you now want to, yeah. you would have otherwise never have even thought about. So yeah, it tells, it tell, it helps us tell our own stories. And I think the more while it can be easy to get overwhelmed, I think it is, mm -hmm. you know, the more, the more stories you tell, the the richer your life's going to be. And that yeah. sounds very, very frou-frou or whatever, but, <laughs> but this is no, how I things get right. made. This is how ideas are born. And like we were talking about last week, um, about how you have to have that level of cooperation, a yeah. huge level of cooperation to leave the atmosphere, to, to make those kind of things happen. Maybe we didn't have that. Maybe we didn't have what it took yeah. as a group, as a global community to, to make these. I mean, we, ha it seems like we had all the technology or at least the ideas, but yeah. did we have the, the manpower to make a colony? And maybe this is what the next thing that happened had to happen a way for us to communicate on a huge level on a huge scale. And maybe yeah. this is, this had to happen before we can have, mm -hmm. you know, the, the colonies. Yeah. And you know, I think, um, I, I've, my, my viewpoint is that, you know, we're, we're suddenly, we're suddenly kind of engaging with much more people and, and, in a much, more thorough way than we are used to as a species. And um, as a result, we're having to work through and figure out how to how to communicate, really. And because it gets very much more difficult when you're suddenly communicating every day with people that you, you know, in past generations would have only communicated with, you know, every couple of years or would have totally just been, you know, this one kind of episode in your life and then you would have moved on. And so, you know, now we have the, um, you know, we have the fortune or or curse, depending on how you look at it, of of um, of hearing all the political opinions of. Mm -hmm. All the people we went to high school with, all the people we went to college with, everybody we've ever worked with. And, um, you know, and I see people um, not infrequently kind of 
you know, basically blow up a friendship over, you know, somebody's posting something kind of off the cuff and and it go it passes some kind of line, you know. And, and, right, right. And then then some friendship that some friendship is over that would have never been reopened in a in an alternate timeline, right? Right. It's and I mean it affects it's not even just on you know on Facebook or or yeah. wherever. It's you're informed by these conversations that are happening or your instant access to the news or things like that. Right. And now it's seeping into our communities and our mm-hmm. churches and mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that. And yeah. And it's informing doctrine. It's informing you know, the way communities are formed. And so it's got this weird relationship where our online representations are actually affecting our, not just affecting, I mean, these are people we actually, the people that you would be hanging out with on a day-to-day basis anyway, or a weekly yeah. basis or whatever. Now you've got this mm-hmm. hyper- knowledge of each other that you wouldn't have before (laughs) and it makes sometimes it makes it difficult to 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 be in communion with them because you know exactly what they think about you (laughs) and it's you know i'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing it it makes it easier to draw your healthy boundaries i think but it is an interesting byproduct of Mm-hmm. Just being able to have that transparency. So, yeah. Anyway, well, I don't know if that's where you were going with that. Probably not, but that was my thought. But no, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, for me, I, I was really heavily on certain kind, of, like you know, online message boards and stuff like that for from as early as I could get on them, basically, and, um, and so you know, one of the first things that I encountered was that um, it's very easy to get into huge arguments and for those arguments to scale. And I realized that, you know, arguments online work differently um, because, you know, when you argue in, in real life, you know, you're, you're much less likely to, first of all, you know, talk about a really touchy subject in, in normal life. Um, but then when you do, there's certain kind of limits. You don't, you don't want to yell too loudly because other people are around, you know, there's, there's certain kind of natural things that inhibit, um, arguments just escalating. And so when you go online and now you don't actually have to look at the person, um, physically, um, then a lot of those barriers are dropped and it's very easy to get into arguments that escalate and that become something entirely different than what they started out as. And so, you know, I had that happen a lot until I, you know, I, I began to learn from that process. Oh, there are, there are certain things that are just not going to be productive and not, not that I don't want to, you know, have arguments about things that matter, but there's a lot of things that we could argue about that don't matter to me, or a lot of ways we could go with this argument that don't matter to me. And so I, um, I felt like I, you know, learned a lot of those kinds of things, um, you know, through a very painful process. And I think a lot of parts of our culture are going through that right now. Right. There's a whole new social, social cues to pick up on that we've never been taught because we've never known we We've never needed them before. Yeah. We're having to, I mean, we have to, we now have netiquette. <laughs> you yeah. know, this is how you, you know, you've got your manners because when you're interacting with somebody face to face, there's so many 
things going on that you might not even be aware of that you are reacting to, that you are responding to, you know, body language, things like that, that you are going to be more sensitive to and it's going to affect how you speak to that person versus text. What does that tell you? So this is why this is why emojis are going to save the world. Right. Right. Oh, (laughs) did you see that article with the with um, the the what is it? There's the four. There's like happy, sad, angry. Mm-mm. Oh, there's something they're they're thinking. I don't know if they're going to do it, but they're thinking about instead of doing like and dislike, they're going oh, to do these four faces. Yeah. And it's like happy, sad, angry, something else. I can't remember. But there was this news article that came out that kind of played with those. And I can't remember what it was from, but it was like this horrible, <laughs> horrible article, right? Uh, something horrible happening in the world. And then it had like the angry face next right. to it. And <laughs> we're like, no, that doesn't <laughs> quite do it for me. <laughs> you know, I would rather just let myself yeah. figure out how I feel about that. <laughs> but, um, and that's another thing that you hear a lot when you first engage and make bad decisions online. <laughs> about yeah is you can't tell me how to feel. And I never thought about that until somebody told me that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, they're right. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. tell somebody how to feel. I forget what it, how it was when uh, Bin Laden was assassinated. Oh, wow. Of course. Yeah, because that's, you know, there's a lot going on and people are like, hooray, hooray. And then there's other people saying, no, you're not supposed to rejoice when things like this happen. And and, right. and I brought that up just, you know, in conversation. I was like, you know, what, is, what does this mean? Like when somebody's saying you're – because I don't like it when people just, you know, Jesus juke people. And they're like, oh, you're yeah. not supposed to do this because the Bible says. And, and the person responded. They're like, you know why that bugs me is because you can't tell me how that feels. The Bible can't tell me. You can't just pull a verse out and say, this is how you're supposed to feel about this situation because there's so much, so much else going on. Mm-hmm. And, but anyway, that's a whole other conversation mm. with how pulling just plain text out of something and then trying to, um, yeah. you know, I, I do think that this is kind of, I just want to say it real quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that that has a lot to do with how we, um, you know, literal literal translations or, or literal interpretations of religious texts, why there's so much fighting going on there. It's, I think it's the same as trying to have a conversation through text. It's hmm. the exact same thing going on. Hmm. You're trying to interpret something, just some words written down, and then trying to t- step back from it and not put yourself into it. It, it just, yeah, it, it can, it can. God should it, have given us some emojis to work with, God, right? Where's like, my... <laughs> Is it? Should I have a happy face next right. to Titus two right here, or is that a sad thing? Yeah, we should no, totally um, create a, a translation. <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah, you, you can do that. Andy would be all about that. Andy, would, that was hilarious. You, you and Andy can team up for that one because all right, he actually, um, he had the idea. He's like, I'm gonna write a haiku bible, mm-hmm. and then nice. somebody else, somebody's already done it. So oh, really? <laughs> he was so sad, but he started. He had some good ones, but. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's his. Yeah, I love it. So. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. We. I think I interrupted uh, a couple of your your trains of thought. Oh, so that's fine. I always have fifty mm-hmm. trains running. So yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, but it, I don't know. Like, um, I I think 
I think you're right. We are that that's an interesting comparison between our difficulties in relating to each other online and our difficulties in dealing with scripture. And I think, you know, I, I think this is becoming um a much much more obvious present difficulty. Mm-hmm. And um and I'm not sure I'm not exactly sure why, but you know, um I think um I think I mentioned Phyllis Tickle before Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and her kind of analysis um, we're entering a period where our ability to rely on what seemed to work really well in religion is breaking down. And, and um, you know, for the first several transitions were, you know, we, we felt like we lost the ability to rely on the Pope. And then, then we got the, the ability to rely on the scriptures and now we are really aware of the fact that um, interpreting the scriptures is a hard thing. And it's not just an obvious thing that everybody can kind of open up and, and end up on the same page. Um, and so, you know, Phyllis Tickle says, OK, so we're we're entering this crisis where we're trying to figure out how to how to do religion. What what is it based on if it's not based on our ability to correctly interpret everything in the Bible and come up to the same conclusions as everyone else? So, um, you know, so we're we're kind of coming to this point with um, a lot of our interaction with with text, I think. Um, and, uh, and and so you're right. And I guess my hope is that we come out of out the other side of this with a lot of new skills, a lot of new abilities for how to actually deal with people and how to deal with ambiguity in conversation. Um, I don't know, but that's what I'm hopeful of anyway. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of it has to do, a lot of the fear is, is purely a generational thing where it happens every generation. It's going to happen to us. Um, where you're just going to be a little terrified, just a little bit of mm-hmm. what comes next, because when it's so beyond what you know, and I think there's already just some of that anyway, where, where what the beliefs and the belief systems that are coming out of the next generation, which I, I guess I would say we are the next generation compared to the preachers and teachers that are kind of, yeah, you, you know, I mean, there's definitely preachers and teachers our age, but y- you know what I'm saying. The yeah. the big decision makers are generally going to be our parents' age right now, and and that there, whether or not social media happened, that was going to happen anyway. We're going to have there's going to we're going to have our own experiences, our own ways of looking at the world, and we're probably going to see the Bible a little differently than our parents. Just how like our parents saw the Bible probably a little different than their parents did. You know, it's just yeah this is the way it goes. You're afraid of the music of the few, you know, the yeah, previous right. <laughs> generation. It's just, it's just the way it goes. But I think that that natural inclination to kind of be weary of what are the young people coming up with now is mm-hmm. conflated with this technology. And yeah. because you associate it's so strongly tied together, this generation and so, of course, you hear it all the time. The millennials, the millennials, they're ruining everything. Right. You know, and it's just, you just, I just, if I, I don't even engage somebody starts a conversation with the millennials because <laughs> I, I, I can't, <laughs> I, I want to, <laughs> because right there, it says so much, right, <laughs> right then is you've already written me off and yeah. whether or not I identify as a millennial is still questionable, but whatever. Yeah. 
for the, for the purposes of argument, if I feel like they're being beaten down, then I'll be like, yeah, I'm a millennial. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm a millennial. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, but I do think that that's um, a big part of it is that's why there's a lot of that fear of technology or fear of finding out what's next or new ways of studying the Bible or, or any, yeah. or not even new ways. I mean, a lot of the things that are, that we are being considered new aren't, aren't new at all. Like historical critical method of studying the Bible was yeah. not new. <laughs> it's yeah. hundreds of years old, but it's new to a lot of people because they didn't have access to it before. They didn't know about it. It wasn't in their circles. It wasn't in their churches. That wasn't, you know, there wasn't any way it was going to get in because that was how they did church. And now, well, you just look it up online. You're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guess that's one way to do it. And yeah. So um, you can continue that thought. <laughs> well, so that, that kind of connects to, um, you know, the, this inability or our difficulty in kind of envisioning or predicting the future. Um, a lot of it comes down to our inability to think through um, social and cultural changes. And so it's, you know, it's one thing to think about what might be possible. You know, it might be possible to have a flying car because we can envision a regular car and then we can envision something that flies and we could combine those together um, but we have a real difficulty of, of thinking about how that would actually be used and how that would actually shape the world around us. And so, you know, I think one of the biggest differences um, between the Back to the Future 2015 and our 2015 is actually what is, you know, the, the culture and style of, <laughs> of that envisioned future. And, um, and I saw this thing the other day. I might have already mentioned. I'm, I'm trying to remember, but um, it was it was envisioning. It was from the '60s, and they were writing about the office of the future, and they had all these different, you know, office kind of technologies um, being portrayed, and they were essentially, you know, digital things that would replace. Um, you know, the, the mechanical thing, you know, I don't know what they had on, on their desk in the sixties slide rulers or, or something like that, you know, but all all those things, they envisioned them as being replaced with machines. And, um, and someone was looking at this and they said, yeah, this is actually, most of this stuff is actually true. Most of the stuff actually happened. We replaced most of the stuff that the sixties office had in it. And now we have it in a tablet or a phone or a laptop. But the thing that they totally missed in this vision of, of the future office is that in their portrayal, there are no women. (laughs) And so they envision a, a future office that is incredibly technological, but is still just male dominated. And um, and of course, that's not, you know, th- that's not the way that that things have played out. Um, and I, I, actually, there's a um, is it progressive who's doing a commercial uh, that's kind of playing off of that? They're um, uh they're somebody saying, you know, they're, they're showing somebody from like the fifties or something. It's like women don't have jobs. And, and, um, and I'm, I was kind of stunned to see that, um, that they are actually playing so heavily on this, 
this kind of trope from from this time because you know it's it's being shown as something that is clearly uh just incredibly offensive and really really bizarre in our in our conception of the world and it seems and it seems so like stereotypical like oh people didn't really they didn't really think like that but no i've had um just a few years ago i was talking about something that i was involved in or in you know just one a project i was working on and an older man like kind of laughed at me and and Hmm. he's like what he's like women moms don't have hobbies you know like, <laughs> and like i didn't know what to say to that and <laughs> so um, yeah yeah it was it was yeah i, I think but <laughs> but that's i mean that's the thing is that we you know we can kind of anticipate these kind of mechanical changes but the way that that changes our society and our culture seems much harder for us to anticipate and much harder for us to adjust to. Um, and so it's, it, it seems the scarier thing, right? And, and, um, and, and we do attach those things together. And, and we've, we've always done this, right? Like uh, Plato was saying uh, how terrible the introduction of writing was going to be because everybody was going to forget how to memorize. And, um, you know, we're, we're afraid of, of how technology will change our culture um, because that seems, it always seems degenerate to us, whatever right. we're looking at. And I kind of think that that's why social media was such a big thing is because everybody likes the idea of technology, but we're terrified of the, the lack of humanity behind it, even though obviously yeah. it was built by humanity. And so what do you get with social media is you get you get it both. You get a machine that is also a human. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a real person that's there and real thoughts and feelings in real time. I mean, you've got you've got AI in your hand, basically, not really. But you know, it it yeah. is. It is yeah. kind of. And so I think that's kind of what stalled out the whole let's build robots, let's build all these <laughs> things. Is why? Why we I've got hmm. I've got it in my pocket. I don't really need it so i i don't know maybe you want a robot to <laughs> wash your laundry or, i mean i already have it i've got it in the you right. know i already have robots washing my yeah I, I don't know like i can't think of anything right now where i would need a robot like you know the mm-hmm. humanoid robot um to do anything yeah um i mean of course i say that and of course the the person 30 years in the future is like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you, you had no idea what you needed. <laughs> right. So, because well, I'm sure, yeah, my grandma would be like, why do I need Facebook? But right. Anyway, exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you know, I, I thinking about what, like what robots I, I have, I real you know, I have one robot in my house. I have a Roomba and it does a much better job of cleaning my floors than I have ever done. Um, and, um, it's not humanoid, but but it is, you know, it is a robot and it's a different sort of thing than um, interacting with your laptop or your computer or something right. like that, because it 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 moves around on its own. It's you know, it's traversing your your space. It's doing its own things by some kind of um, process that is a mystery to everyone who sees it. You know, if you look at how a Roomba moves, there is no telling why it's going the way it is. It doesn't seem to follow a pattern. 
um, it actually seems very in- insect-like. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you look at an ant or something cr- crossing a room, you know, they, they from a certain vantage point, it seems very random. And, uh, you know, but there's there's some kind of algorithm at work. And I've, I've read about the algorithm that ants use to actually calculate this, the size of a room. Um, and it's based around doing a line in one direction and then randomly bouncing around and counting how many times they cross the line that they first um, set out. And you can actually do a pretty, you know, pretty robust uh, set of kind of math on that to figure out the the square footage of the area you're in. So there's there's like a logic to it that that uh, for ants took us a long time to figure out. Um, and I'm sure they're doing something like that similarly with the Roomba. And, you know, I don't know what its logic is. Um, and and when we you know, I, I think this is the the thing they, they talk about Amazon um, Amazon has its uh, factory or not factories warehouses set up so that the things that are ready to go are in what for, for a human would would look like an incredibly random order. You know, the the different boxes are stacked all over the place and the robots know how to find them. And so they'll go and pick up an item and move it from one place to another and ship it out. And they're you know, it can track where all of this stuff is in the warehouse. And so it's no longer organizing it according to a principle that we would think of if we were organizing a warehouse full of different types of items. And so it it seems very alien when you start to think of that, right? When right. You start- Have you ever seen pictures of Amazon warehouses? I I don't th- I haven't seen the pictures, just the descriptions, basically. They uh, look totally... They- it looks like the worst yard sale you've ever been to. <laughs> it's just stuff is everywhere. I mean, yeah. it's definitely like here's the rows of stuff, but yeah. And there's not as many people as you would think would be in there. And yeah. it's it but they're huge. It's just huge. I mean, you can imagine, but yeah. it's yeah, it's very it looks like it has no no um organization at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. but clearly it does because my dome stuff that i ordered the 5 p.m the night before is here at 10 in the morning so yeah. it's you know yeah and it, it it knows yeah right? it knows and yeah and you know um in asimov's stories um a lot of the kind of motivation for having robots in human shape was so that it would kind of ease people's um comfort with with having these robots around like it would make make people more comfortable with them i don't know if that you know i've i've always kind of probably thought that was the wrong way around like we maybe are not going to be as comfortable with having human looking robots around as we are with having animal looking robots in some way Right, animal, or as we've already seen, holograms of dead people, because at least we know what they are. Yeah. We know that is not somebody trying to pretend to be a human because I know that person's not here anymore. And so, I mean, not necessarily holograms, but, you know, we have, yeah. we do have these techno- technologies. So I think if it is going to be humanoid, it would be based on something that we know it's trying to be. It's not trying to be a living thing. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Well, there's the, um, oh man, what is it? 
I want I want to say Valley of Disillusionment. That's not what oh, I'm saying. Oh, Uncanny Valley. Yeah, Uncanny Valley. <laughs> the Valley of the valley Shadow of, of Death. Um, <laughs> valley of Disillusionment. <laughs> wow. What What is that from? What am I? I no. That sounds like either something from Lord of the Rings or like a Choose Your Own Adventure book. Um, or me when I was 17. Yeah. That's just my brain <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, um, we've talked about Choose Your Own Adventure books lately, but I was thinking one of the great things about Choose Your Own Adventure books is not just that they're this kind of weird sort of interactive fiction, but the premise of every Choose Your Own Adventure book is so bizarre. Um, and and so there's like a space vampires um, Choose Your Own Adventure book. Um my my favorite one is uh, your code name is Jonah, where you're a spy that's trying to. <laughs> um, and I didn't even I didn't even remember this when I picked it back up recently, but it's um, it's about the secret of the whales and ah, es- espionage. Yeah, espionage around the secret of the whales. And it never makes clear why um, that's um, so valuable that Russia and the United States are, are willing to go to war again about this, um, and send out all kinds of spies and do all kinds of, you know, um, espionage to try to be the one who controls the secret of the whales, but they are sure that this is going to be, you know, a big thing and nobody knows why or what it is, but you know, that's what they do with every single, book is it's just Code like Jonah. that's yeah. so great <laughs> i know it's it's just a weird weird premise and um so i think they should we need we need them to bring back um that whole choose your own adventure book aesthetic you know i would love to see movie like choose your own adventure book movies even if they were interactive just just based on some of those premises you know space vampires right. i would see that movie right my <laughs> favorite was i i even retweeted retweeted it the other day it's, yeah it's called you are a shark yeah yes <laughs> that like, could you are a shark <laughs> that could totally tie in with our shark related 3d movies yes I just thought, it's so simple <laughs> it's <laughs> not know. like you are a shark in the indian ocean or wherever right. it's you are a shark well but, yeah and they, they've been tweeting one that i i don't remember ever reading but it was called like at war with the evil power master and Ooh. I, I feel like they just took like a whole bunch of words there. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what that means, but it's kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Those things. Does it, <laughs> just the idea that you're at war means there's some bad guy I that guess. you're trying to fight. I guess so, so. At least it's saying that you're on the good side. Right. Maybe it's, the, it's making sure you know that there's a bad guy and he's the evil power master. Um, it's just, yeah, I've never heard, I've never heard the bad guy described so adequately, but that yes. really, that really captures, <laughs> that really so, captures something. <laughs> I looked up where, um, the, what did you say? The Valley of Disillusionment. Yeah. There's a trough of disillusionment in the oh. hype cycle. Oh, yes. Okay. Technology. Yes. So it's like, Hey, we got this new technology, which is kind of what we're talking about. So right. at what point did it break down into yeah nobody nobody wanted interest wanes mm-hmm. so anyway if you wanted to know where that was from. yeah so i've heard a lot of talk about this from the the 3d printing thing because 3d printing you know suddenly is is a technology that's feasible and you know for a while everyone's talking about it and um and then we kind of get around to realizing oh it's gonna be it's gonna be a while before it 
does anything useful for us on any kind of real scale. And so then, you know, then everybody's, you know, it was a big thing that was hyped and then people are not excited about it anymore. And so then, you know, by the time it comes back around to being really useful and being really transformative and profound, we've kind of already gotten over our excitement about it. (laughs) And so we're, you know, that's, that's kind of, yeah, that's the, the hype cycle, right? Uh, I probably got some of that out of order, but, but, um, but we do that with a lot of, a lot of technologies. Um, you can think about the dot-com uh, bubble, mm-hmm. right? In the late 90s, everyone was like, oh, the internet, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be huge and transformative and it's going to change everything. And so they threw um, massive amounts of money at it. And you can just read stories about people who were running three different startups uh, out of their basement, you know, and that were each valued at millions of dollars and um you know just the the sheer kind of insanity of what was going on there you know because it it became this incredible gold rush and um and then it lasted about 18 months and then at the end of it um almost all that went away right and And isn't it interesting that because we've talked about this before i forget if there's a name but like that things run at their course in 18 months and then it's time to make the, the yeah. next thing or, yeah. or the other thing becomes obsolete. And so that's, yep. Yeah. 18 months. Yeah. There you go. We had, we had a great 18 months where we were like, everything was going to be transformed by the internet. And then, and then that stopped. You like, we all got over that idea. And then, um, and then it did get transformed by the internet. Right. But you know, it took, took much longer and it's um you know didn't happen you know uh in the same way and we still don't have a lot of pet food stores online i think <laughs> um and but but still i think you know a lot of the transformation that's happened is more profound than what they what they anticipated so there was oh, like yeah it it's I think it, yes, sorry. <laughs> I'm no. like, yeah, of course it's more profound. <laughs> Whereas it's not one guy running three three mm-hmm. businesses in their basement, but anybody, yeah. now that we have social media, anybody can make a decent income if they want to just by putting out something and making it and, and working full time. Yeah. But you can, it's, you can do a decent, make a decent salary, like if you're okay with just having a decent salary right. and just putting the same amount of effort into even a blog or something as long as you, but you have to put that time into it. And, you know, but that yeah. to me is amazing that anybody, if they're willing to take that risk and take that, you know, of course you have to not have income while it's earning the right, income. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you wait out that, you know, whatever that time until it starts earning, it's, it can be done. And to me, that's transformative. That gives people back the power. Um, it gives, makes, it's transforming how real, real life brick and mortar work is done Mm -hmm. and how the hierarchies and it's making bosses be better bosses because you got to do something to make them want to stick around. And, you know, it's, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Yay. Internet. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, this is we we tend to um, we tend to look for 
these kind of gold rush things. And so, you know, with the dot com bubble and then um, and then, you know, more in the kind of vein of what you're talking about, we have, um, you know, several years ago, um, everybody in the world got really excited about um, the power of blogging. And um, so then everyone was was trying to to do it. And and, you know, what happens in something like that is that the people who actually care about it, who this actually is a good fit for and who are passionate about enough about it to to develop the skill and to to work on it consistently and to, you know, produce really good things with it. Those people stick around and make it work. And the people who were hoping, you know, just to kind of like for it to be this uh, get rich quick thing, you know, those those people move on, you know, to something <laughs> to something else right. to the next thing. And um, but what? Yeah. Every time we do that, what what we do is we we expand um, the possibilities, you know, and a new set of people gets to kind of step up and become a voice for something or a a creator of something or, you know, to find, to find their particular kind of canvas, so to speak. And, um, you know, this is something Kevin Kelly talks about. He, he talks about, you know, what would, what would the world be like if all of these artists, you know, whether, you know, Bach or Picasso or, or whoever, you know, had not had their particular instrument or their particular tool, and, um, and so, you know, we think about that, we, we kind of, we, you know, a lot of us kind of assume, oh, well, we've always had violins or we've always had pianos or we've always had paint, you know, but that was actually a technology that somebody invented so that, um, eons later, someone would come along and be like, yes, this is my perfect thing. You know, this is where I really kind of have the ability to flourish and come alive. And so as we're creating these new kinds of technologies, whether they're blogs or social media or whatever else is, is next after that, um, we're, we're creating canvases on which some people will be able to to paint or to write things that they had would never have had the opportunity to otherwise. And that is one of the kind of profound reasons why technology is is something we we should at least hesitantly <laughs> embrace, right? And and Kevin Kelly um is, you know, he, he talks about kind of being in a very um, uh, conflicted position about a lot of technology. You know, and he says maybe technology is, it, you know, brings a lot of good and a lot of bad. Um, maybe it brings, you know, 49% bad and and 51% good. Um, but but it leans, it leans over just a little bit towards the good. We get a little bit more good out of it every every time. And, um, and this is one of the primary reasons because it gives us new ways we can flourish as individuals and we can express ourselves and our creativity. Hmm. That reminds me of in, I think fourth or fifth grade, one of those, I was part of a, a group we did met once a week and we kind of did more, um, 
forget what it's called, but like an enrichment type thing. And my group put the car on trial. Like we had a whole, huh. whole, um, we we're learning about the judicial system and stuff, but, but yeah, we put the car on trial. I was in the jury. I wanted to be the judge, but oh well, so, <laughs> uh, but yes, so we had, we had, um, witnesses and lawyers and defendants and everything. And we ended up, the car was guilty. <laughs> and yes, we decided as a group of elementary school kids that the car had done more harm than good and therefore had to go away. Wow. And yeah. And and the teacher like didn't have anything to do with it. She just kind of facilitated the process, but Mm -hmm. she was not, she didn't tell us what to think or anything. And that's what we came up with. And Mm-hmm. So, and I remember being a fourth grader thinking it was so obvious that the car was guilty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The car. How horrible. And I remember one of my friends, she was, she, she was a, pretending to be a little old lady. And she's like, if I hadn't had a car, I would have died because I got to the hospital. But, you know, like <laughs> all these things. Yeah. And I was thinking, ah, she was going <laughs> to die anyway. <laughs> like, I had no, no empathy at all. But Yes. So <laughs> I was a terrible, terrible little kid. <laughs> wow. But, nice. Mm-hmm. But but I do think that that, you know, that 49, 51% rule is really, it's hard. It's hard because when it's flipped and it's something you really don't want, that right. 49% is a lot. You know, when right. you're part of the 49%, it's a Mm-hmm. You know, you can't majority rules. Who cares? You're like, right. there's 49% of us and we're like, we don't want this thing. So it is, it's a hard thing to say, okay, 51% of it is good and 49% is bad because I, I know now that I've gained a little bit of wisdom since I was nine years old, I guess, but <laughs> I've, I do see the value in the 51%. And yeah. that there are definitely things that are worth the 49, putting up with the 49%. Yeah. But um, what about the people who don't say it's worth it? Mm-hmm. What do you do for those people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's interesting because I think when I was a, when I was a young kid, I was very much a, about um, in, inventing things and, and technology. But then when I got a little bit older, I think I I definitely had this like regressive phase and I remember um, telling my mom something to the, you know, effect of um, that, you know, I, I, I was not interested in um, what modern medicine had to offer because I was pretty sure that they were just, um, you know, arrogantly ignoring the kind of medicine that had been passed down for generations. Right. And I don't know where I got that as a, as a kid, because I, you know, my mom was a little bit baffled by that. Um, and you know, and she was like, well, uh, you know, and, and now I would, you know, I would, now I have a little bit more, you know, kind of context on, I'm like, oh, we saved millions of people, um, right. over the last hundred uh, years or so, um, just by, you know, doing some very, very basic medical things that had never been done before. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not something you can just like flippantly be like, well, you know, I guess it's good enough for you, but you know, I'll just take what my grandmother did. Um, 
but you know, but I, I'm I'm wondering why, you know, what kind of drove me into having that kind of a phase of my life um, when I didn't start out that way, and it didn't seem like that's what um, I was. I wasn't. I wasn't overtly being taught, you know, in, in any way. So I'm not sure where that came from. And so that, that's interesting that for you, um, at that point in time, you know, a car is obviously something that, you know, nobody wants and nobody needs, right? Like we should just go back to, to some other kind of form of travel. Right. There was definitely, and I don't know if that, cause I know my parents weren't teaching mm-hmm. me that at all, but I, de- I do think that was a big part of not that it was overtly taught to us, like you said, but there was a big takeaway from that for a lot of kids, especially just in terms of being taught about recycling and yeah, you know, just just the environmental movement was big. And mm-hmm. that's right around the time we had the Exxon Valdez mm-hmm. uh, oil spill. And that that was a big I remember that that was about that same time. And so there was this idea of, oh, no, what have we done? What are we doing? And, yeah. you know, as a kid, there's some things that are just so clear to you. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're, just, you're like, what? What? Why? Cars? Of course not. We're ruining the earth. And right. as a, and to an extent, of course, yes, we are. But there's more to the story than mm-hmm. this this ru- earth ruining yeah. thing. And there's no evil propaganda or conspiracy it's like we're gonna destroy right the you know that's like, I mean, like fern gully do you remember that um i was not allowed to watch fern gully, oh. <laughs> fern gully is is an amazing um amazing example of like the kind of um oh like not exactly conspiracy theory but it's it's totally like there's a demon that um some loggers open you know released into the wild and that demon his whole point is to use these loggers to um you know pollute the earth and destroy all the good living things in it right wow yeah that's and, why i wasn't allowed to watch it I guess. and so so all the <laughs> logging people of course are like demonic people you know like they mm-hmm. are they're um just out there to uh basically be the minions of satan on the on the earth (laughs) and um and it's such a it's it's painted in so so bright you know of colors it's amazing um and you know and if you've ever been around like a a community that has um has people who are traditionally loggers in it then that's an interesting cultural experience you know to try to contrast um contrast that but um, you know, so this, the, the subject of kind of like destroying the planet, I think this is the thing that I wonder, you know, we're talking about how, uh, the cold war drove us to getting on the moon and, um, you know, drove a lot of other things, ultimately a lot of other technological advances. And I wonder if, um, you know, we need to not have wars you know, to try to drive our technology, right? We That's not right. what we need to do. That's, yeah. But I, I do wonder if we need to have big missions. And um, and I, I wonder if um, f- dealing with some of the environmental crises is one of those missions that can drive us to accomplishing a lot. 
Um, and so that's something I keep kind of turning over in my head. You know, is this something that's strong enough to get kind of the world to rally together and work on big problems and big solutions and to try to have, you know, a, I don't know, Manhattan project for the for the environment or mm-hmm. or whatever, um, or, you know, uh, Apollo program or, or whatever that is to to try to deal with. um some of the things that we're, you know, that we're pretty sure we're going to have to deal with. Um, and so, and that kind of strikes at, at a, a philosophical issue that um, I think has been part of the environmental discussion for a long time. And that's, you know, what is the answer to the fact that we create environmental problems, right? We, it, we might say that the, um, you know, the, that the car unleashes all kinds of problems, but also makes all kinds of good things happen. So what is the answer to the fact that we unleashed all these problems? Well, the caricature answer from, you know, the, um, extreme environmentalist is that we need to get rid of cars entirely and we need to somehow rewind civilization. We need to go backwards to a fern gully type, existence where we all live in the rainforest or, or whatever, you know, and frolic with bats and stuff. Um, and, and, you know, and then, so that, that's been a big thing that people who are interested in technology have, have seen themselves in a kind of battle against, right? Because they, um, people who want technology say, well, no, we need, you know, we need to keep building technologies and we need to keep, uh, advancing them and this is saving lives and it's, you know, all this kind of stuff. And on the other end, you know, you're saying, but yeah, with everything that you do, you're also creating all these problems. And, um, and so that, you know, that comes down to the, you know, the 49% versus 51% thing. How do you fall on that? And what, what's your kind of answer to, um, the fact that, all solutions involve problems. Right. I think we brought this up kind of in one of our first or yeah, second, probably so. second ones. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, what's the flip side to, to the H plus, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what, mm-hmm. what's the minus and what, what is it going to cost yeah. us? Because it always, there's always a cost. Right. And, um, and sometimes it's, you know, just like, Social media. Okay, what what did we have to give up? I guess privacy and yeah. being able to slip out of people's lives, right? <laughs> <It's easy. laughs> and, and actually having to have painful, transparent conversations with people that you don't want to be friends with. <laughs> so yeah. it's you know there is that that flip side to it, but at the same time, the things that we do have to give up. Hey, maybe there are things that we should have been doing to begin with. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a good thing that we all know where we stand with each other and that we know political ideologies and we have a way and forums to to just hash this stuff out. And mm-hmm. maybe we're still learning how to do that politely, but but maybe that's a good thing. And it's maybe it's something we that too much pri- not privacy in the big brother way, but you know, just what we allow how we allow each other into our lives. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I, I personally think it's a, it's a good thing. I know it's, it's kept me. um, I'm glad I'm grateful for it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah. So, Hmm. and I think of, 
Andy and I were talking about just the difference in our own parents and how, what their relationships were like and what their social lives were like. And a lot of the things that they might've struggled with when they were our age that we're not Hmm. necessarily struggling with those same things because we have people anytime we need them. And I mean, yes, we're still struggling with them, but not in that same, Hmm. same, um, just soul crushing way. I guess it's, it's, it's like, okay, you, you know, you're not alone. You've got people who, who at any given time are going to have your back unless of course you're doing something really terrible, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, you, you're not, you're not left alone as where you might have been where I know at least my parents, when I have these conversations with them, mm-hmm. you know, they were, you know, when they found themselves in just, you know, like a community that they just like didn't belong in. And they're like, why, you know, it mm-hmm. took them so long to move because, they felt like they were the only ones and right. But now it's like, you know, people are saying you need to, anyway, we've got a lot of accountability. We've got a lot of people who, who always have your back. And I think that's a good thing. But at the same time, you have to give up a little bit of the, yeah, the, um, the privacy a bit, I mm-hmm. guess you have to let people in, but I think that's a good thing, but maybe that's just because I'm an extrovert. So. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, I think as a as a society, we're very, very, very happy to to <laughs> throw away our privacy and head, you know, like head first into that. Um, and uh, we only care about our privacy when something goes wrong and we're like, oh, wait a second. I d- you know, I didn't really mean, you know, right, to, right. to go that far. And, you know, but and we kind of learn as we go that um you know, what the, what the consequences are. <laughs> and, um, but we are happy to learn as we go. We're happy to, you know, throw a whole bunch of stuff out there and see what happens. And, um, the people who are really kind of paranoid about it. And I know a lot of really tech savvy people or, you know, people who are kind of the leading edge of, of technology who are really paranoid about these kinds of things. And they are very much the anom- anomaly, you know, mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out ways to uh, use all this technology in in a way that doesn't require them to sacrifice their privacy. And it's almost impossible, you know, because all the things that are interesting to do um, are things that involve losing your privacy, like giving up your privacy. Right. Um, And at some point you become like the people who don't want a social security number um, for whatever reason. And, you know, who try to avoid getting a social security number. Well, you Ron can Swanson. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> you can kind of do that for a while. Um, but eventually you kind of probably want to participate in the rest of society. There are a lot of benefits to it, you know? Right. It is interesting though. Just, you know, while we're just, I know because I'm plugged in, I mm-hmm. guess. I know. I mean, not that I'm like out here wanting to do all sorts of terrible things, but I know (laughs) if if I did, if I chose to slip up or whatever, everybody would know or somehow somebody Mm -hmm. would know or people would talk about it because it just it. I just know that (laughs) I know. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that I mean, I hope that I have more integrity that, you know, even if people aren't watching, you're still going to do the right thing. But mm-hmm. the fact that people are watching makes it a whole lot easier to do the right thing, I yeah. think. And like I said, that accountability is, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that makes me sound 
like I'm not I'm not trying to say that I'm like wanting to off you know <laughs> go crazy or anything right, but yeah right, sure. but yeah it does it it's yeah it's funny because I you know I was talking again with Andy the other day we talk a lot but <laughs> and we we're just joking about like how none of we are such boring people we couldn't like we're like what's the worst thing you've ever done <laughs> like that was the conversation and both of like we neither one of us had any stories worth telling we, we're just like yeah. there's, there's just nothing nothing mm-hmm. i don't know and i'm wondering if a big part of that is just that accountability hanging over your head that just kind of sucks the joy out of it anyway <laughs> like, right well we know we'd get in trouble so i really right. don't want to anyway <laughs> so but yeah i have no I have no, and that doesn't mean that I'm a good person. Maybe it is just that uh-huh. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know. I haven't figured that one out. But. I yeah, I think <laughs> I, I I've wondered about whether or not um kind of if we if we live in a society where um uh what do they what do they call it um thought police no 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 there's a there's a um there's another term uh and I it's it's how they built prisons it's not holacracy. Um, oh, sorry. That was totally wrong. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, it, uh, I, I can't think of it. Uh, um, but basically it's, you know, they built, they build, um, uh, it's a certain philosophy of building a prison where it's, it's, um, circular and you can stand in the middle and you can see all the, uh, all the prisoners and cause they're all facing into the, the center. And so if you're in the center, you can see every everybody and everything that's going on. And um, and that's a great way to set up a prison because then you can kind of monitor a lot of people at a time. But then there's kind of an adjustment of that, which is like everybody can see everybody at the same time. And if if everybody can see everybody, then um, you may not need uh, a central person kind of keeping order because maybe everybody else just kind of keeps order. And I, I do wonder to, to the extent, like if, if everyone has a device on them, which is, uh, you know, recording their location and, um, say hypothetically recording, uh, the sounds in their environment and things like that, at what point does um, does murder become simply impossible to get away with? Right. And if murder becomes impossible to get away with, then the only people who are going to be doing murders are people who are just unable to control themselves. Right. Like there's no longer going to be any kind of premeditated murder in the the sense that we have it now, because there will simply be no way to walk away from that. And and I actually, you know, I mean, it's pretty clear that that if you murder someone now, it's really, really hard to walk away, you know, compared to probably how hard it was in the 1600s or something, you know, you could, you could, um, get away with a lot more there, but now you're going to, you know, there's going to be DNA evidence and there's going to be all kinds of, of things that are going to be really, really hard for you to, um, to, you know, kind of wipe clean and, and leave no trace and, and, um, and so, you know, I think I think it's just just almost, you know, heading towards a point where that kind of thing is almost impossible. You know, I, I witnessed a hit and run um, and the guy was, uh, I think, drunk and he, you know, he kept going and um, 
and they found, you know, I think it took a couple of weeks, but they found his, his vehicle and, you know, they, they were able to connect the scraps of paint and, you know, and this car was like in a shed somewhere. I don't, I have no idea how they found that particular vehicle, but it was, you know, it, it was something that happened in the middle of the night. I was the only real witness and I couldn't give any useful information. And yet this is, you know, they, that person couldn't escape, couldn't get away. And I think, you know, so the question is like, as we increasingly move towards that kind of society, we're, we're always under constant surveillance from each other. Right. It's not a centralized thing. It's we're all looking out for each other, which is cool in the brother's keeper sense. But my question is at what point do we rely on that so much that we become sloppy about teaching Mm -hmm. integrity? Yeah. And that's, that's as a mom, especially that's really like, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, to me. yeah. And, you know, I grew up with, uh, I, I think the, the, um, kind of concern that I would have in that is that we are building a society where it's important to be nice, but it's not necessarily, um, as, as important to be good. Right. And niceness is the part of it you can see, right? And you can monitor and make sure everybody's being nice. But that doesn't really mean that that you're good in any way, right? And, um, you know, I, I think I grew up with this sort of sense that I got from stories and movies that um, I, you know, part of my birthright as a young person was to go out in the world and cause a little bit of trouble. And, um, you know, in, in some, some kind of way that wasn't too harmful, but just, you know, cause a little bit of, a little bit of chaos. And, um, and I, I also did not really do anything, um, significantly bad in my youth that I have to confess or anything like that. But I always had the idea that I could, you know, I could do something that, that wouldn't be, um, perfectly acceptable, but would maybe strengthen my character in some way, you know, that by pushing the boundaries of kind of what was okay in society, I would actually learn a little bit more about, you know, myself and what's actually good. And, and, and I wonder if, I don't, I don't know if I'm communicating that well, that, that may sound bizarre, but I think that. No, because I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, and you know, and I, I did something like, I mean, I was in a rock band and, you know, and all this that, you know, on the surface of it looked like I went around and created a bunch of chaos, but I didn't actually create a bunch of chaos, right? I didn't actually kind of go beyond the, the boundaries of, of what was okay in society, but there were, you know, there are all these kind of coming of age stories and all that, that, that tell you that you should probably push that a little bit. And I I wonder if when we get into a a situation where it's really important to be nice all the time, if we lose something there, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I've, I've had to not learn how to not be nice, which Mm -hmm. sounds funny, but Mm -hmm. Because it's also funny because I'm I am definitely somebody who is not nice very easily, but <laughs> there, but I never learned or at least um, trained myself to when it was appropriate to not be nice. You know, yeah. either it's like okay, I'm angry. You know, yeah. now now all the ugly comes out. But there are definitely times where it is 
very appropriate and necessary to not be nice, you know. And there's a difference between being kind and mm-hmm. being nice. You know, it's never okay to be mean, but mm-hmm. it's definitely okay to to be like, no, I'm not putting yeah. up with this. <laughs> you know, yeah. no, this is not okay. And you can say that. And it doesn't mean you hate the other person. It doesn't mean you don't want to be in communion with them anymore. It just means you're saying, no, you're not okay. And I think that's a big thing that we have, um, that we need to teach people. And especially I need to, you know, I had to teach myself was there's the loud, you can't depend on the loud voices Mm -hmm. because the loud voices are the ones that you're supposed to be. Like if those are the ones who are always talking and then your job is to just always be nice, then those loud voices are always going to be the loudest. And they're always going to be the, 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 those are the ideas that are always going to be, um, fed to everybody. Yeah. And it takes somebody saying, do, you know, it, there's this idea, especially in uh, Chinese culture, the idea of saving face, you mm. know, you don't do anything that is going to create an awkward situation. You yeah. just, you don't do that. It is a huge part of their their culture, you know. And I'm saying, no, let's um, – I'm really good at creating awkward, <laughs> awkward situations now. And it's not that I'm socially inept or anything. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty okay in that. <laughs> but I'm also better about not worrying about – if this is going to rub somebody the wrong way, you know, I don't want to be mean, but at the same time, you know, if somebody, you know, something's not right. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you know, actually I don't, it seems so easy to just be like, well, you have just as much right to say what your opinion is or what, you know, as the, as the loud voice. But anyway, yeah. that's a whole other, whole other, um, tangent, but yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> I agree about the whole being a, uh, a rabble rouser and right. <laughs> and just pushing those boundaries and not that you wake up in the morning and like hmm what boundaries am I going to push today but it's definitely mm-hmm. that is definitely a driving force mm-hmm. um, at least in my life not not arbitrarily at all it definitely it's but it's like you know this isn't this this something's not right here what's underneath this can I dig a little deeper find out what's going on can I unravel it if it's unraveled already can i put it back together you know there's definitely that um i'm a social tinkerer i guess you would say (laughs) so yeah uh, i'm like you said you were always taking things apart and building airplanes and things like that and i've always been a very much more of that on a social level just Hmm. taking apart social systems and and seeing what what you can put together in really weird ways and see how that works so (laughs) Yep. <laughs> well, and, and now you've got the perfect toolkit for that. Like I now, do. now you've got the perfect canvas for experiencing that. Nice. It's fantastic. So, okay. So here, here's what I wonder. So we, we looked at, um, some of the, uh, predictions that were made in 1985 about, um, 2015, right? So I wonder what, um, what, things do you think we'll see in the in the next 30 years what what kinds of shoelaces are we going to be wearing 30 years from now my goodness i don't care (laughs) 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 Uh, Hmm. let's see i was trying to think like i have two maybe do i even use shoelaces Mm -hmm. i don't yes i do i have my boots all right (laughs) um hmm 
Hmm. 30 years, that'll be uh, 45. Mm-hmm. That'll be 2045. So I will be old. That's the Man, that's the proposed singularity date. That's the uh, that's hypothetical. It's twenty forty five. Yep, yep. So I'll I'll be sixty five. Yeah. And um, hmm. hmm. It's it's hard because I'm trying to think of what will my life look like then, and I'm trying to see like what which is this is totally the wrong way to look at this is what is my life going to look like and what am I going to need? Therefore, that's what kind of technology. <laughs> yeah, have. I don't know. That's wrong, probably as good of an approach as any. <laughs> it, it probably is because that's how these things get made is right. based on the, the market. So, okay. What's going on in my life and what kind of things are driving the market? What kind of things am I buying? Okay. And 60, when I'm 65, I'm going to be a little older. Um, I'm, I'm thinking health, Mm-hmm. Healthcare is going to be a big thing, and you know, if I were to invest today, I'm terrible. I have not invested mm-hmm, anything. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, internet. <laughs> terrible, terrible financial person. But um, one day, um, uh-huh. I, I definitely think that that um, healthcare is the way to go. Yeah, um, of course, said by from somebody who knows nothing, but that's just <laughs> what I what I think. And then, um, so I'm thinking that I think that that is going to be something that's going to be significantly different. I think where we have social now, what's the next important thing? It's, it's our health. We want to, you know, we want to have less pain. We want to live longer. We want to keep these social connections longer. We don't want to keep dying. We don't want to keep seeing people suffer. We're, we are painfully aware of each other's suffering. Yeah. Every day on Facebook, when we see somebody else's aunt or uncle or themselves are, you know, it's just, yeah, we're so involved with each other's lives, even if it's not in person, it's, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to? So I really think that that, the, so, the social aspect of things that we have now is going to drive the future technologies immensely. Yeah. So I do think that healthcare is going to be a, a bigger a bigger thing. Um, I do think that work is going to get more and more. We're going to have more and more people working from home mm-hmm. and smaller and smaller businesses. I do think that we're going to go back to a smaller, like a small business model, like the small town type things. I see, yeah. I see that happening because I think there is a need for it. I think there's always going to be a place for the big box stores, but I do think that as people are walking, work, working from home more, they're going to want things to be close to their home. They're not mm-hmm. going to be driving as much. So I think walkability, bike riding, smaller, it's going to go back to that kind of feel. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. And um, that's all I got right now. Healthcare that, and smaller towns. Yeah. So that that's kind of a uh, future as envisioned in uh, her, right? Like, is it? it I, I didn't even think about that, but I guess it is. I mean, it, they're <laughs> they're not exactly, but but everything is like is is a lot softer in a way. It's um, it's not those terrible pants, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's in a lot of ways it feels like it's kind of a throwback um culture that mm-hmm. they're that they're portraying. Um, and it's not this kind of where it's not where technology is in your face and, and all that kind of stuff. It has receded, um, if anything, even even more. Um, I did think it was weird that he still went to work. 
He yeah. didn't work from home. He went to, and, and I remember thinking that because, you know, that's my life is right. from home. And I was like, he could do that job at home. There's no need for him right. to be in that office. There's nothing going on. But, you know, he can't do it home. What his job is, is like writing greeting cards, right? Or right, (laughs) basically. And um, the even the conception of what like what their jobs are, um, I think they're doing it digitally. You know, like he's speaking it and it's like turning and it's being printed out in this, you know, into some kind of beautiful printed thing. Like it's it's very much um, not the stereotypical sci-fi vision of the future right right and And, yeah and he's but there is the idea that people aren't thinking for themselves he's writing other people's love letters yeah right right but it's based on what he knows about them so they're still ringing true he's still a writer you know he is he's telling somebody else he's he's um creating somebody else's narrative based on his information he has about them so yeah um, I, I, yeah, at and, first it's like, oh, that's, oh, that's gross. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. I like that. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, we should talk, oh, there's so much to talk about there. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, so I would say, you know, for me, I would hope that by, by that time we have completed the transition to, uh, you know, almost fully electric everything, um, and to running our economy primarily off of solar. Um, so those would be big things for me just because that's like, I I would say the right thing to do. Like, um, electric cars are far more efficient and in, and better in every way than, um, than fuel powered cars. Um, and I cannot wait until that is just, you know, there, there is no question about it. We all just drive electric cars. Um, uh, and, and they're self-driving. Can't wait for that either. Um, and you know, and when that happens, when we have a, a world full of, of self-driving electric cars, then a lot of things change, including like parking lots go away. Um, a lot of, a lot of the infrastructure we think of as necessary goes away because our cars no longer spend time just sitting and they begin, you know, they they're out working for us. Right. And other I mean, you see around. that now, like with the Uber model and things like yep. that, that cars aren't just going to mm-hmm. sit around. They're going to be put to work. But, yeah. um, but yeah, what happens if you don't need a driver anymore? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and of course I'm, I've, I, I think I've shared this before is I don't know. I don't, I like, I think it's good and I think it should happen. The self-driving cars thing, Yeah, but I'm still, still bothers me just and i think it's just because i'm i'm at i'm right at that age where new stuff is freaking me out which i hate <laughs> as officially i'm getting old but it that's it so. <laughs> well that's my whether you like it or not that's my prediction <laughs> yes and i do and it's funny because i do like it and i want to see it happen yeah. and i'm excited about it but there's still that yeah i don't know there's just still something something a little off about it but I don't know. That doesn't mean I'm never going to get in one. That would stink because it really depends on what the risks like. Yeah. If that is the only way to get around, then yes, of course, I will use one. But I'm, I'm like, I'm in a process of like, you know, I probably should replace my car. And um, I, I had to replace the like one of the seats in it. Um actually the driver's seat in it because finally the, um, the metal sticking up through it was like too much for me to take. And, um, so I finally was like, okay, I'm going to replace this thing. But 
you know, I'm driving a car that um, that, you know, maybe I should replace. It's got a bunch of problems, but I'm trying to get it to hold out just long enough. (laughs) I'm I'm holding out just long enough, like to where I the the first car that is either self-driving or fully electric that I that's actually in like my kind of budgetary range. If I can hold out just long enough for that, then I will never have to like work on a car again. Right. Like, (laughs) and that's, that's my, um, that's what I'm trying to do right now. (laughs) So we will see. Um, I don't know if I can hold out that long, but I remember as a kid thinking that we would have self-driving cars by the time I was, Oh, wow. of driving age and I remember being scared because I really wanted to drive a car Yeah, and I was like what if they make them before I get my license <laughs> and then I never get to drive and I was very happy yeah. that I still get to drive my grandmother's <laughs> 1976 Oldsmobile Omega <laughs> that is great uh, <laughs> so maybe that's the reason the future didn't uh, take off because yes. you still needed to get your driving in I wanted that <laughs> yes sorry I held you all back world <laughs> It was all me. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Now we know. Now we know the truth. Now we know why we're in the wrong timeline, Amy. I know. That's, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. That was so sad. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, there was something you said earlier, and I started to write it down, and I have no idea what I was mm, writing. And, mm. But it was something about the future and what we saw like what what we were envisioning the future would be like. And I can't think of what it was now. Hmm. That really stinks because I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be a good one to talk about. Oh, well. Well, I, I can I can see the future, but not um, not read mine. So it's, you know, different kind yeah, of, thanks. you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do definitely see myself living by the beach, but that doesn't mean wow. anything. But yeah, I definitely, I, um, I don't know. That's, I see mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you where, yeah, but it's by the beach hmm. and not like, I don't know, mm-hmm. just like a nice grandma's house. Hmm. That's what I see. But we'll see. I'll probably be living underground in a cave or something. Yeah. So who knows? I, I see myself, I see myself living, um, in, uh, the scene from Ender's game where he's, um, <laughs> nice. he's, he's at that like lodge or whatever by the lake, yeah. you know? And he's recuperating from his uh, from battle school. Yeah. yeah. And I just see myself living there, basically. You know, that's that's where I think ultimately I, I end up in in this. Because I pl- definitely. Yeah. Near water. Yeah. I, yeah. It doesn't have to be like the ocean. I, mm-hmm. I'm OK with I'm OK. I guess I'm OK with anything. <laughs> but I'll be happy to be alive. Right. But. Yeah, that's and I wonder if that's just everybody sees himself ideally by the water because that is something mm-hmm. humanity is I we think, need water and Yeah. We tend to congregate by rivers and lakes and mm-hmm. oceans. So Yeah, hmm. I think I, I think so. I've read something about about um no matter wh- what part of the world you're in, a slightly raised um area overlooking water is always gonna be the most expensive piece of land you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, at, because, you know, we, ha- we have something like that built into us, you know, that's like, yeah, that's what feels like home and mm-hmm. that's what you want to see. And uh, apparently it's very calming. Mm-hmm. There's a meditative quality to just being near water and not necessarily the sound of it or even being on it. It's just, uh, there's something very centering about it. 
Um, I'm sure there's plenty of reasons why, but just it is. So, yeah, I guess I see myself. I wish I could remember what the (laughs) the cool, there was a cool thing, like a cool technological thing. And I can't, man, Uh, can't remember. You can look, you can go back and listen to this episode. And then like, as those trains of thought, like right back up in your head, then maybe it'll, it'll pop back out. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I definitely, hmm, 30 years in the future, 45. So I'm wondering how schools are going to work. That's another thing that I think are going to change significantly. And of course, I'm just thinking in terms of like United States and how we do things. But I definitely think there is a, a cultural value is emerging, which is headed towards more um, self-paced learning, uh, um, just more of a democratic school system less away i think people are kind of sick of yeah <laughs> sick of what's happening not saying it's inherently bad or anything but it's just i i really i think once the next level of people are in charge the next generation is is the are the decision makers once the um the i guess it's kind of like you know you got the israelites and they're wandering through the wilderness <laughs> and the the old people aren't allowed <laughs> because yeah. They are not going to carry those new things in. And right. that stinks. I hate that. I hate that part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wrong. I get it. I get it in terms of metaphor and everything. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. I remember I taught second grade and every time we came to the story of Moses and how he wasn't allowed in, they're like, Miss Amy, that is so wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> I know it is. It's totally wrong. <laughs> they're like, can you say that? I'm like, yep. <laughs> I, I'm like, it's messed up. I hate it. I hate this story. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but I get it. I get the idea that in order for new things to happen, the older generation has to kind of let let it go, let you know, let that those things mm-hmm. go. So mm-hmm. I do think that um just there's probably going to be a lot of reform as far as education is concerned. And I think a lot of that is also going to be driven by the, you know, just our social you know, as we're driven closer to home, we've got these just, you know, just the way our communities interact with each other. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that I see, and I hope this is, you know, I could be totally wrong, but that our, what we bemoan today as far as, oh no, we're not actually interacting with each other. We're all dependent on this, all this technology and we're not actually having human connections. I think that that is going to be a driving force that is actually going to drive us closer together in our communities, our hmm. in real life communities. So yeah. I think well, this is part of the process. I think, you know, what what I've seen a lot of um, is people trying to trying to create real life communities um, around, you know, you know, what intentional communities, right? Like right. people trying to generate these kind of real life communities in a way that they um, aren't being, uh, quote unquote, naturally generated now. And so, you know, I, I think that probably people will, um, continue to try to do that. And there will be increasingly, you know, um, efforts in that direction to where people are saying, you know, let's create a real life community. Um, let's, you know, maybe get all our Facebook friends to move there or, you know, whatever it is. But, um, you know, kind of get a group of people to specifically set up some kind of thing that, you know, that people are wanting to, 
um, to live in in some kind of uh, more communal way. Uh, and so trying to figure out how to make those communal connections happen um, in, you know, in an environment where they wouldn't otherwise happen. Right. And so I, I think we probably will see a lot of social experiments in that direction, just trying to figure out how to make that work. Right. Right. And the fact that they're still connected to social media and yeah. we're still keeping an eye on each other it means they're not going to be isolated. Yeah. Or at least they have less likelihood to be isolated. Yeah. Which I think is good. There's definitely communities out there that do attempt to that they are living communally and they do have leaders that try to control their social media use because they don't yeah. want the outside influence. And I yeah. even have a friend that recently joined uh, it's not a, an intentional community. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, she, oh man, we used to talk every day and I haven't heard from her in months. And hmm. so, so yeah, it's, hmm. I, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying every group is like that, but yeah. I do hope that I think that the social media, the world being connected to the world is important. And I definitely think that you can, live life on your own terms and with like-minded people and, and, you know, do all that, but still, still have those ideas outside bouncing around. And, you know, I'm a terrible fit for an intentional community because I'm <laughs> always going to be, always going to be pushing boundaries. I don't do it on purpose. It's just who I am. And it's, uh, nobody wants, nobody wants me <laughs> in, their, <laughs> in their intentional community. It would be terrible. So, um, but I'll visit. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, okay. So now we've uh we've identified um why the future wasn't what it was cracked up to be and uh now I think after today we we are officially living in the future, so yes. we we've made it. Um congratulations. Okay. We, <laughs> we did it. Yes, we crossed the line. Um generations have been looking forward to and we we made it. And Isn't it uh, sad though. <laughs> It's kind of sad. I think somebody posted something yesterday. It's like after today, um, or you know, posted it today. After today, this movie will be about the past. Right. And it's like, right. man, yep. it's no fun anymore. But, but man, my kids got a huge kick out of it. Like, just <laughs> like, what? What were they thinking? They really <laughs> thought we would have all the, yeah. So. They're nice. just laughing, laughing their nice. heads off. And yeah. I was like, you know, when I was your age, I thought for sure this, mm -hmm. this is it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're going to have all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, it's good stuff. And I'm excited to see what the future holds. Yeah. Well, and, oh, I have one last question. Yeah. Space travel. Mm -hmm. We didn't really touch that. What do you see? Because, and that's another thing, like, Back to the Future Part Two. It's all on Earth. There's, I don't know oh, if yeah. they do. They even talk about anything in space or anything not like that. that. Or maybe they of. thought that was too cliche or didn't did not advance their thesis or whatever. So they just kept on Earth. But, but um, in terms of the future, I've almost like when I was a kid. If you had asked me what are you going to be in thirty years, I would surely involve something about space yeah and you just asked me that question i didn't say anything yeah about space which is weird because yeah hmm. that's what am i in that um what was the word 
the hype cycle, the right disillusionment, uh, the trough uh, of disillusion, the, yeah, the valley of the shadow, yeah, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Oh, I feel like I'm kind of in that where mm-hmm. I'm excited about it, but it's just been so long <laughs> that mm-hmm. I don't know. It's but I I still try to keep on top of stuff and um, probably more than mm-hmm. a lot of people. Even though I, I know I sound. I'm saying I'm so disillusioned, but I'm still <laughs> total geek about it. So, <laughs> yeah. And, so, what are your predictions about space? I don't, I don't know. I don't 30 know. Years. Thirty years is pretty short sighted, but uh. yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm in the. Um, I'm in the the valley of of cynicism about. Uh, you know, I'm. I think we're getting back to being interested in it, and I'm. I'm hopeful that we're able to do a lot. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not yet at this point confident in our kind of cultural willpower that we're going to do a, a lot in the next 30 years. Um, I think we will do some definitely, uh, but we'll do some substantial things that are much more than we've, we've done for a while. But, um, but I, I don't know, it may not, it, it may take, um, us, moving to a place, you know, moving to a point where it's significantly cheaper before we really take, undertake some big, massive voyages. Right. And faster. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it might take the next, who yeah. knows the, the next 18 months will bring right. when everything that's, doubles. That's you right. Never know. Yeah. So maybe yeah. space travel will double in the next 18 months. That's right. crossing my hey, fingers for that. You know. Yeah. Hey, I do think once it takes off, like once we figure out how to do this sustainably, it'll just boom. It'll yeah. it'll happen. But until then, yeah, um, we're just gonna have to yeah. wait and wait. Yeah, and and you know, if the if the singularity brings about vast new amounts of intelligence, which allow us to you know kickstart something like that, you know, like which suddenly the cost of space travel drops by, you know, a million um, fold or whatever, then um, then something like that could happen very quickly. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think we're we're going to have to um, kind of do it slow and steady unless we really get um, some cultural uh real kind of drive behind us. So and we'll see. It's funny because in the context of human history, we're saying, oh, it's so slow. And it's <laughs> it's not at all. I mean, especially it's crazy fast right. when you look at the Industrial Revolution and the thousands of years that came before that. And then you've got right like, yeah. So it seems painfully slow because we want it now. But um but yeah. I, my, yeah, yeah, my my great grandfather, you know, was riding horses around, and we're only going to the moon. So right. I'm, I'm pretty disappointed. <laughs> I, I know that stinks. Yeah, <laughs> but it is, but it is hard to tell your nine year old self that. Right. Yeah, um, I have a robot that sweeps my floor, <laughs> and that's about as like I mean, that's as cool. futuristic. Yeah, yep. that's that's about yep. it. No, we, but it's yeah. yeah. That's funny. (laughs) All right. right. Um, Well, here's looking at the next 30 years. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll make some stuff happen, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And um, stuff will happen on its own. Mm -hmm. That's right. See what natural disasters will bring us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Talk to you later.